Welcome to the Post-Christian Podcast. My name is Eric Bryant. I'm one of the executive pastors at Gateway in Austin, Texas. My foundation exists to equip and empower church leaders in reaching new people and raising up leaders. I'm the author of Not Like Me and Fruitful, Becoming Who God Created You to Be. Join me on social media for Through the New Testament for Skeptics and Seekers. And be sure to sign up for my email newsletter where you can receive free resources at ericbryant.org. In today's episode of the Post-Christian Podcast, I have longtime friend Greg Atkinson. How are you doing, Greg? Doing well, man. Good to be with you again. It was fun even just before we started uh, remembering those uh, days in the early 2000s when the new millennium was here. (laughs) We were hanging out in Los Angeles, uh, our lives interconnecting. I think a lot of times I hear from you most when it comes to first impressions, uh, the conference. Um, Talk a little bit about your life in ministry. What are you focused on nowadays? What are some of the things you're seeing uh, that inspire you? Oh, good question. Uh, Well, yeah, I do still run the First Impressions Conference, and I do still consult with First Impressions and guest services all over the country. But um, I, I wrote two previous books on hospitality, and you know, all of my previous books, which you have interviewed me for uh, before, they were written to pastors and church leaders. And I wanted to write to the broader Christian market, a book that anybody could read. Uh, and I actually know a lot of non-Christian friends and family that are reading this new book on kindness that I wrote. But um, I, I have focused so much on guest services and hospitality. And when I started thinking about what I was going to write about, I, I knew that hospitality and the topic of kindness, which is a fruit of the spirit, could go very well together. And so um, I'm borrowing from some expertise in hospitality and kind of what the niche that I'm known for in the church market. And um, and I actually have a chapter where I address hospitality in the kindness book. But uh, as far as where I'm headed now, I am starting to do more consulting with organizations on creating a kind culture. Mm. And as I share in the book, I have experienced toxic cultures and I know what it's like to work for a toxic organization and to um, to dread going to work. So um, now I, I actually it was a conversation about four years ago, exactly four years ago, um, with one of the largest churches in the country. I was in their city and visiting them. And one of their executive team leaders said, uh, Greg, I know you come in and do this stuff on the weekend. What if you stayed during the week and worked with the staff and worked with the leadership team on culture? And at that time, he said creating a hospitable culture, because, again, I was known for hospitality. But now I'm, I'm focused on both of those, a kind and hospitable culture and how that plays in the workplace, whether you're a church, business or nonprofit. But that's kind of kind of what I'm up to these days. Love it. Well, The Secret Power of Kindness is the name of the new book. And in a world that loves to feature toxic culture in our documentaries, uh, in a world that's so divided where people can't even have Thanksgiving dinner with half the family that they used to, we need more kindness. Well, I love that this is getting so much attention. Would you talk a little bit about 
some of the insights that you share in the book that can help us create more of that warmth, more of that that hospitality and kind culture that you're describing. Absolutely. And, you know, just, just so you know, some of my story, I actually can relate to that and over um, uh, issues that go on in our culture and in our world, having uh, a split of Thanksgiving dinner in my own family. So I very much know what that's like um, and have, have lived it and experienced it. I also talk about my relationship with my father in the book. And it's the first time I've ever shared my personal story. You know, when you write a church leadership book, it can be very how-to, very practical, and you don't have to share about you at all. But in this this first book to the larger, broader audience, uh, the first chapter of the book opens with a chapter on forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And I share my own story of abuse, uh, physical mm-hmm. abuse, sexual abuse, verbal abuse. I share stories of trauma and um church hurt, church wounds, and just really open up with letting the reader get to know me and what I have journeyed, what I have been through, what I have overcome in my life to get to a place of forgiveness so that I could be more of a kind person. Because if you are dealing with unforgiveness and you have a lot of bitterness and anger, you're going to be short with people. You'll have this anger always underneath the surface and you won't come across as very kind. So I wanted to address that in the book. Um, there's also chapters, as you're talking about uh, organizations, there's chapter a chapter on composure, how you compose yourself uh, in life and meetings and interactions. There's a chapter on empathy. Um, we all know that uh, this world would be a better place if we understood empathy better and showed empathy to people and really just understanding somebody's side and being curious enough to ask their side and their story, you know, there's that, there's that famous saying of when somebody rubs you the wrong way, or when somebody attacks you, instead of responding with what's wrong with you, to to think or respond with what happened to you, you know, what what have you been through in your life that has brought you to this point uh, mm-hmm. that you're acting in such such a way? Because in the book, I talk about bullying and um, you know, I talk about being bullied as a child, and then I've been bullied by adult bosses, you know, as an adult. So um, it's it's a very real personal book. But um, as far as organizations, I also have a chapter on patience. And um, if we're impatient, we're not going to be kind. And so this is a whole chapter that dives into that. Uh, I should say this is all under the umbrella of kindness being a fruit of the spirit. But so is patience and so is love. And I have a chapter on love. I, lo- I, love, I love the opening of the book with a very powerful chapter on forgiveness. And the book actually has 10 keys to unlocking kindness in your life. So there's 10 chapters. But what I love about the way the book ends is the next to the last chapter is on love. And it's a really deep dive into love, loving yourself so that you can love others, loving God. And then it ends with a chapter on unity. And, you know, Jesus' last prayer was that we would be one. And uh, I start the book and I end the book with a simple sentence. Imagine a world where everyone is kind to one another. And if we were to, in our own lives, display kindness, we could see a more unified world. We could change the world. And that's the subtitle of the book, Changing the World. And so um, I am... Uh, 
I'm excited about a couple things in the book that may take people by surprise because they may not connect it unless they've really done a deep dive on kindness. I had to break out my Logos Bible software, you know, on this book. But uh, but as I mentioned a second ago, I do talk about being kind to yourself. I talk about loving yourself. You know, when I was on staff at Transformation Church with Dr. Derwin Gray, um, he, the way he taught the great commandment was different than I'd ever heard. As a pastor, I used to say, love God, love others, love God, love others. We had bumper stickers. We had T-shirts that always said, love God, love others. And Derwin says, love God, love yourself so that you can love others. So I talk about loving yourself. I talk about being kind to yourself. And then another thing that I love talking about in the book is God's kindness. You know, one of my favorite scriptures is um, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And at our first impressions conference this past spring, we kind of all spoke on the theme of kindness and uh, a great pastor who has an amazing church in Florida. Uh, he said, when we plant, when we planted our church, when we started our church, this was our key verse. God's kindness leads to repentance. And he said, we built everything around creating a kind culture and being kind to our community and showing kindness and how we serve others. And uh, it's no surprise that they are one of the fastest growing churches in the country. They have built a loving, kind, beautiful, hospitable culture. And I was honored to work with them and consult with them a few years ago. And I love hearing their story that they built everything around that verse. So in the book, I talk about God's kindness because God, God's our model. God's the one who Jesus is the one who modeled servant leadership and displaying kindness to to those he loved and you know jesus modeled kindness to the woman called in adultery jesus modeled kindness to the woman at the well so jesus is our model and um as we think about um like a chapter on forgiveness why should we forgive those that have hurt us well having a proper theology and understanding that god and christ forgave us for how we have offended a holy god and we have messed up we have sinned but yet we are allowed to receive forgiveness from someone who is perfect and holy. And so the Bible is very clear that we should also forgive others. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's honestly an easy read, but there are some deep parts in it. Um, kind of like my last book that we talked about years ago, Strange Leadership, when that came out, there are some parts that were very conversational and easy to read and some that make you think a little bit and are a little deeper and you know, down the road, there'll be a small group curriculum for this so that people can dive into it over a 10 week study, unlocking the 10 keys of, of kindness. And so that's the hope. Love it. Well, secretpowerofkindness.com is the quickest way to go and get your copy. We're going to give away a few copies to those who are signed up for my email newsletter. Let's talk a little bit about this contrast between toxic culture and kind culture. Um, I know it's countercultural. Like we're going to reach a post-Christian world if the church is the kindest, nicest, warmest place they experience throughout the week. But why is it that churches have bought in to this toxicity that that you can see in the corporate world? Kind of this, uh, it's all about me, uh, dog eat dog, you know, kind of kind of atmosphere. What are some of the other contrasts that a, a kind culture? points out or 
eliminates from that toxic culture? Yeah, good question. Uh, there are a couple things that I think play into that. You know, one, we started seeing in the 80s and 90s churches being modeled after businesses, like you mentioned, business culture and top-down leadership and very authoritarian CEO-type model pastors. And the CEO model of a pastor just doesn't work in today's post-Christian culture, as you're talking about. Uh, my home church, my pastor is a, is a shepherd and loves me. And uh, I just moved two months ago to North Charlotte. I was in South Charlotte for almost nine years. And uh, we moved to be closer to my in-laws. And um, I met this pastor at a church in my city. And um, we went to lunch and he said, Greg, what do you need from me? And I said, I would love to have a friend and a pastor. And he said, I would love to be your friend and your pastor. And he checks up on me and he cares for me. And he um, he just has a pastoral heart. And when you see him on a Sunday morning from the stage, when you see him in the uh, lobby, greeting people and hugging people and praying with people, and when you interact with him in person, nothing comes across like a CEO, boss, corporate feel. He comes across as very caring and pastoral. And I actually talked about this uh, two books ago in my book, Secrets of a Secret Shopper, about one of the things I look for when I do a consultation, when I do a secret shopper, is that the pastor is accessible, that the pastor is out in the lobby meeting people, greeting people. And that book was written six years ago, but I, I have on every secret shopper for um, 18 years now, I have been looking for uh, pastors that are accessible and approachable and that have that pastoral heart. And I have worked with some of the largest churches in America uh, that I could name and seen pastors talking with people, praying with people, hugging people, interacting with people. I've also worked with churches where they get swept away and uh, they just disappear and you never, never get a chance to shake their hand. And so that is a turnoff to Gen Z and um, into this post-Christian culture. My, my kids are all adults now, two in college, one in grad school. They're out of the house. I just did a post about having an empty nest. Mm -hmm. I bought my son his plane ticket last night to Amsterdam because he's going to college in the Netherlands in the fall. My oldest daughter at grad school, I just co-signed on her lease for her new apartment. They're all out of the house and on their own. But what would turn them off in a heartbeat is a pastor that wasn't caring, wasn't loving, wasn't approachable, and wasn't accessible. They're not caught up in celebrity culture. They don't care how many followers a pastor has. None of that has any reflection. There are pastors and churches that you and I know and could name all day long that mean nothing to my kids. Nothing. They don't keep up with them. They don't follow them. They're not in that world. Um, and it's the same for their friends because my kids grew up in the church, but for the classmates and friends that they have at college, um, they don't care anything about how, you know, celebrity pastors or how many followers they have. You know, that's a that's a huge turnoff. And now there's more and more documentaries coming out about that kind of culture and, and the, the toxicity of it and what the world sees and news media are covering and following and picking up on. And so. I think to get back to the basics, you know, in the early church, the church met in houses. It was very relational. They broke bread, prayed together, fellowship together. 
um, you know, Acts 2 talks about the breaking of the bread and homes and um, communion with one another. That was the genesis, the roots of the early church and how we got started. And so it's always been, and I wrote about this in my first book, actually, it's always been about relationships. It's always been about people. And I said in my first book, ministry is about people. And I referenced a joke that used to turn me off when a pastor would say, you know, ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. Mm-hmm. And I would say ministry is people. It's the whole point, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think if we get back to the roots of our calling, why did we get into ministry in the first place? First place? What did God lay on our heart? And usually it gets back to a love of God, a love of God and a love of people and trying to reach people with the good news of the gospel. The gospel is good news, but we often don't present it as good news and we don't model it as good news. When we're toxic and fighting and arguing and divisive and um, coming at people the wrong way, we do not really seem to a a broken, hurting world as good news. We Mm -hmm. should be good news, but we don't come across as good news because we don't actually live out the gospel in a loving, caring, compassionate, kind way. So this book, the whole point of it and what I post on social media is we're trying to start a kindness movement in every community. And so we want churches to buy this by the case. We want them to go through it as a small group. We'll be offering uh, sermon series resources for pastors to preach a kindness series. I was talking with um, Ron Edmondson the other week who endorsed the book, and he said he just referenced it in a sermon uh, last week at his church, this book on kindness. And so we want to see this kind of sweep the nation of uh, bringing kindness back. We should be civil. We should be peaceful. Um, we should be unified. Jesus wanted us to be one. And so, um, and, and to get to your point about the post-Christian, there, there's actually a, a chapter, you know, there's 10 keys to unlock. There's a chapter called Unlocking Acceptance and Accepting People as They Are and Loving People as They Are. You know, I love churches and have loved churches for years that use slogans like, um, come just as you are, like your church, yeah. you know, that anyone is welcome. And I have taught on that all over the country. I have shown slides of churches' mission statements that incorporate language like that. But uh, where, where, where people know that they are welcome, which is my heart in hospitality and what I do in my ministry, my conference, um, my consulting, it's all about creating welcoming environments, letting people know that anyone is welcome. And so if we get back to that heart, and it, it all comes back to a heart check. You know, it's 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 why are we in this to begin with? And nobody goes into ministry to make money. This is this is about people. It's about the gospel. So why did we get started in this and getting back to our roots? And if that involves repentance and saying, God, forgive me for where I strayed. Let me get back to the the root of it all. Let me get back to my why. Then praise God. That'd be great. Let's get back to being kind leaders, leading kind churches creating kinder communities and just see what God does. I love it. Well, let me ask you one more question. You do go into churches hired as a secret shopper. What are some of the other things you're looking for? What are some other clues that people want to see to know they feel loved, that they will be loved? They will experience kindness in a, in a church 
What are some other things you're looking for? Yeah, I think number one is just preparation to know that you have thought of them and expected them. If I walk into a church and there's nobody there to greet me, if there's no signage to let me know where to go, I don't feel like you expected me. Um, And so it can feel like an insider's club where, well, everybody here knows where everything is. Why do we need a sign for the restrooms? Why do we need to walk people to the children's ministry check-in? You know, if if you're if you're used to us four and no more and, and everybody knows everybody and everybody knows where everything is, you're not going to come across as welcoming. And so I always say that the one thing that the most vibrant, healthy churches in America have in common is they prepare for and plan for guests. And so there are some churches that I have worked with where every single thing that I experienced that morning was designed for the first time visitor. I knew they were expecting me. And it was almost as if, and nobody knew I was coming except the executive pastor, but it was almost as if everybody had been told, we have a secret shopper coming this morning, be on your toes, but they were just so well prepared. And so um, I think just being prepared and and knowing uh, that the old saying, every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday. And so I have said, companies come in, are we ready? You know, if company were coming over to my house tonight, then we would put away the laundry. We would sweep the floors. We would vacuum. We would light a candle. We would uh, bake some goodies. Like we would be, we would, we would uh, make the bed. You would have everything ready to go and ready for company. And so each and every week company comes to our local churches. Are we ready? Are we prepared? Have we have we trained our people properly? That goes with preparation as training, you know, to train our, our leaders, our, our volunteers. And when I train volunteers and I go to churches all over the country, um, I just got an invitation yesterday for a church in uh, Virginia Beach that said, come train our, our volunteers. And when I when I do this, I start with the why. Here's the why of hospitality. Here's why we do what we do. And I talk about these keys of preparation that we plan for and prepare for guests. And so that's a little overview. Love it. Well, there's a lot more at gregatkinson.com. Greg, thank you for the ways you are bringing more kindness to the world. I love this idea of your book and love to see other churches you know, doing this sermon series. And let's just be the kind representatives of Jesus, you know, that we were called to be. And, and just like you said, if God's kindness led us to repentance, then shouldn't our kindness be what leads our friends and our family, our neighbors? Yes. Thank you, Greg, for all you do. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us on the Post-Christian Podcast. More resources available at ericbryant.org.